listening to a podcast from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada, located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. May only truth be spoken and only truth received. Amen. Happens time and again in the biblical story. A claim is placed on someone's life. A calling is heard. And the first response is protest. Who, me? Moses says he's not much good as a public speaker. So how could he possibly go back to Pharaoh and speak? Isaiah says his lips are unclean. Ezekiel just falls flat on his face. In Luke's telling, when Simon Peter first encounters Jesus, all he can say is, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. And here in this evening's reading, we watch as Jeremiah responds to his call to be a prophet by saying, I do not know how to speak. I'm only a boy. It's all quite understandable, of course, because heeding any of those callings to take up a, a life and a vocation, whether as prophet, leader, or disciple, was anything but a walk in the park. The call to do this thing was also a call to risk it all. For Moses, it meant going back and confronting the royal household in which he was raised. For prophets like Jeremiah and Isaiah, it meant speaking some very hard words into the life of their own people, their own community. For Ezekiel, it meant having to deal with those wild dreams and visions. Visions of a sort that in our day would have got him locked up under a psychiatric order. As for Peter, he'd not only have to walk with his friend and his teacher, Jesus, into the very jaws of death, he would himself pay for his discipleship with his life. So they are quite understandable, these protests. I suppose, too, that we should get a little nervous about someone who leapt up too confidently in response to a call. Sure me! I'm up to it. Just watch me. Thanks for the promotion, Lord. Sometimes said that when it comes time for a diocese to elect a new bishop, that the people most eager to be elected to that office are often the ones you least want in the job, while those who push against even being nominated could well be the best candidates of all. It's a bit of a sweeping generalization, but I think there's actually some real truth in it. So listen again to what Jeremiah is facing. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying... Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I anointed you a prophet to the nations. Before I formed you in the womb, before you were born. Now that's a seriously deep call. Jeremiah, God is essentially saying, I'm not making this up as I go. I've placed a claim on you and you need to come on board. The claim was to be a prophet, to be one who tells forth 
some hard and challenging words on God's behalf. Prophets like Jeremiah are raised up to play a crucial role in the shaping of the nation's life. Remember, we're talking about a nation in which the temple and the palace, church and state, so to speak, shared a common mother tongue. The king was welcome in the temple. The priests could be seen in the royal household. They told the same stories. They shared the same religious practices. They stood for the same faith, or at least they were supposed to. But time and again, the royal household would become corrupt. Or one of the monarchs would begin to dabble in the religions of the other nations. Sometimes, too, the temple and its priestly leaders had become merely religion, as opposed to a living covenantal faith intended to shape the nation in a path of justice, equity, and compassion for the outsider and the underdog. When palace or temple or both began to derail, the prophet was raised up to go and tell them the truth. It's not an easy vocation. Kings and governments and religious institutions don't much like being publicly called out and upbraided. Lord God, Jeremiah says, I do not know how to speak. I am only a boy. And can you blame him? I'm just a young man. This isn't something I can possibly do. In the three verses that come right before our reading, the opening three verses of the book of Jeremiah, verses that basically just set out the context and when, when this was all happening, who was the king, and so forth. In those verses, Jeremiah is identified as son of Hilkiah, of the priests who were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin. He's a clergy kid, and he stands in a priestly family. In all likelihood, that meant Jeremiah would in time inherit the priestly role, which was a heck of a lot safer and a whole lot more comfortable than this business of being a prophet. Do not say, I am only a boy, he hears back. For you shall go to all to whom I send you, and you shall speak whatever I command you. It's kind of an uncompromising call, right? But then come those words that ring through so much of the Bible. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Do not be afraid, I am with you. Then Jeremiah has what can only be imagined as a mystical experience of God reaching, reaching out and touching his mouth, commissioning him to pluck up and pull down, destroy and overthrow, and only then to build and to plant. He does it all with words, of course. Jeremiah doesn't pick up a sword. He doesn't muster an army. He just insistently tells the people, tells the king, tells the priestly hierarchy, tells the average person on the street that their world was rotting from the inside out and that it was coming down. And then on the other side of that plucking up, that, those words of destruction, on the other side of Jerusalem's destruction, Jeremiah will write to the exiles in Babylon 
and he'll sing to them imaginative, resilient songs of hope and new beginning, of planting and building. None of it was easy for him. This work of speaking the truth into a society that preferred to clutch to its illusions, it was hard. But Jeremiah had heard those words, Do not be afraid. I am with you. And he trusted them. A few years ago in a sermon, I I told the story of my own calling into priestly ministry. I actually wrote about it last year for the Collegeville Institute as well, and I'll repost it on the website tomorrow. Well, my own calling was marked by a fairly extended period of who me? In all honesty, it actually verged on not me, because I thought I already knew what my life's work was going to be about. Now, it's not that my ministry has come with anything even close to the challenges and hardships of Jeremiah's work, but I do understand his deep and fearful reticence, his, who me? I'm only a boy. But I also understand those crucial words, do not be afraid. I am with you. Maybe now more than ever before, I understand them. Claims and callings are not, of course, limited to these properly religious things like ordained ministry or maybe being called to a mission field. In fact, most times our callings are embedded in the day-to-day of life. And if we pay attention, we'll hear them, see them. You look... And you recognize that there's something you should do. A need you really should respond to or words that you really should say. But to do it will pull you out of your comfort zone. It's the right thing to stop and buy that homeless woman who always sits on that same corner. To buy her some lunch. It's the right thing to extend some hospitality to that neighbor who's been looking so very sad these past weeks. It's the right thing maybe to take that foster child into your home. It's the right thing to speak up when a work colleague keeps tossing off these easy racist remarks. It's the right thing to leave a job that's killing you Even if the pension plan and the benefits package makes it so tempting to stay, but it's killing you, it's the right thing to leave it. You know it in your heart of hearts that all of these things and others might be the right thing day to day, but, oh, Lord God, truly, I do not know how to do it, for I'm only a boy, or I'm too young, or I'm too old. I'm too cautious. I'm too busy. I'm too settled, too fearful. Small callings all the time running through all of our lives. And we're too... So listen, and hear again those words spoken to Jeremiah and to so many others in the biblical story. Do not be afraid. I am with you. Trust those words and then heed the call. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.
been listening to a podcast from St. Benedict's Table. For more information on the church or to offer your support for our ministries, visit us online at stbenedictstable.ca.